You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome to the show. Fancy. Hello, Sid Talk over there. Yellow. I just did, I just um, recorded you sneezing. You did. And uh, <laughs> it sounded like a spaceship firing its phasers. In a video game. Correct. Um, so what is the before, the after the show discussion here? It's me sneezing and you recording it. Correct. I realised that I could actually um, make this podcast sound like we were talking backwards. Like in one of your favourite shows of all time. Twin Peaks. Correct. So, but we choose not, I'm hoping you're choosing not to do it in I think, reverse. I think it would be Because then weird. the process would be, they would have to download it, and then they'd have to get some kind of software to reverse it, to be right. That would just seem a little excessive. Not sure if that'd be worth it. Yeah, if you do an official Twin Peaks podcast, that's when you need to do that. True. So, um, what is the before the after the show discussion? Anything? You just asked. Anything else? I don't think so. I mean, I'm playing The Sims. That's not discussion. That's you playing a game. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say this. I found the ultimate cheat, of course, which I always like to find with each iteration of my game. And the cheat is to find every, to have every single object available to you to be able to build with or use. Rosebud. No, that's old. You're so behind the times. Rosebud was for money. This is debug, but you have to do a big long code. You know, Sims people know. And then you go into the menus and then you find it in this certain way and then you can, like, put anything you want anywhere you want. It's fantastic. It's great work from you. It is. I must admit, I don't really care about the cheating thing. I'll, I, I'm i happy with cheating. All right, so it is uh, Saturday, October the 21st. This is after the show 502. We are a movie review podcast. We're going to review a movie right now, in fact. Hey! The yeah, the lady, looking. the lady in the backyard was walking across it to go to a neighborhood barbecue, the annual. She goes, "Are you going up?" I said, "No, we're going to record a podcast." And she's like, "What was that, hon?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Never mind." I guess she's not a listener. Go on to your meat eating barbecue, which don't, we've never been to. It has a lot of fancy meats, apparently. It does. <laughs> if you're into fancy meats, you can go to our barbecue. It's once we a year. We can go. I'm sure there's salad and, and potato salad and stuff, but we're not sociable, so the combination of barbecuing, which neither of us like, meat, which we don't eat, and people we don't know, necessarily, doesn't really there's sound a, great. It seems to me there's a lot of people who don't go, because yeah. I see people on our neighborhood watch thing who say, oh, I've never <laughs> been to that. Is yeah. it any good? You know? So, um, that's our neighborhood barbecue. Ta-da! The movie we're looking at this week is War for the Planet of the Apes. It's a 2017 movie. It's released this upcoming Tuesday on Blu-ray and 4K, uh, October the 24th. You can pick it up. It's PG-13 from our friends at Fox, who sent us a copy early to review, which was quite nice of them. And Sid Talk, give us the uh, synopsis of War for the Planet of the Apes. Um... Well, if you've seen the others, I have to associate them with them. But at some point in human history in this world, apes have learned to talk and communicate and have elevated to the place where we're sort of equal. And there's a virus that killed off most humans, which also backfired and made a lot of more apes intelligent. And now we're at the point of, is it going to be a human planet or is it going to be an ape planet? And we're revisiting the same dude who's been in all of them, which is Caesar, the main ape, 
who was the first one that um, James Dean, or whatever his name was, Franco trained him back in the day. <laughs> Not actual James Franco. Who was it? It was James Franco, yes. but I'm saying he didn't play himself in that <laughs> It wasn't James Franco <laughs> being the guy, but you know. Um, so it's sort of, you know, it's a trilogy. This is the third one. So yeah. as much as I don't like the grouping of things, I've come to accept it because it's like a TV show, I guess, just on a bigger scale. And you want to watch every episode to get the whole of it. And this is basically the third act. It is, like a giant nine-hour movie. Oh. And there's a crazy man in charge, like um, like we have in most crazy military, right thingies, you know. All right, so uh, spoiler alert: we will. There could be some spoilers for War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. If you haven't seen the other two movies, we'll probably talk about those as well. So go and see all the movies. <laughs> yeah, and then go come watch back. them all right now. You yeah. got about nine hours, and then come back. <laughs> all right, so um, you know, War for the Planet of the Apes. So I've always been a big Planet of the Apes fan. We actually have a Planet of the Apes um, bust. Is that the correct term? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The head of Caesar. No. No, Cornelius. Cornelius. The The original original Cornelius, Cornelius, yeah. We do have his head uh, with all the blue. We own all the movies, let's say. All of them. It comes as a set, and it's all in the head, like a modeled head. Yes. It's about the size. Maybe scaled down to about two-thirds the size of my head. It's got proper hair, like real-feeling hair. It's not real hair, but it feels like real <laughs> you hair. You don't know that. It could be real hair from an ape. Correct. Um, or from a human. Yeah, so I actually have all of the Planet of the Apes, uh, everything, including the Tim Burton movie, which I'm not so keen on, including the animated series that Fox aired on, uh, in the 70s, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And all the movies, right? Yeah, all the movies from original and all this new trilogy. So I'm a big fan of Planet of the Apes, always has, but always have been. I think they're really awesome science fiction movies, what if kind of stories. And, Minus uh, Marky Mark. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that was the... For me, uh, the black spot in the whole thing is that Tim Burton movie, the Marky Mark version. Uh, really, it's not very good, is it? I don't remember it not not liking it, so I mean I have to go back and think about it. But I don't remember disliking it as much as everyone else because I like um, the whole idea of the Planet of the Apes so much. Sometimes I can overlook, you know, particular flaws and things, but I don't remember. I'd have to just watch it again. So what I was saying to you earlier was that is this new trilogy of Planet of the Apes? It's one of the franchises that I feel is lives up to the original movies. It's exceptional in its own way. It's not like a cheap rip-off or let's make more Planet of the Apes just to make some money. <clears throat> it actually feels like somebody loves Planet of the Apes and it's a very modern-day Planet of the Apes with, you know, second-to-none CGI in this movie, right? <clears throat> in Absolutely. all the movies. In all of this trilogy, the CGI is... It's it's just superb. Like I mean, I mean, in this one, it's even better. Again, it is. It comes to the point where I don't even think about how good. Like at, at the beginning when it started, I was like, "Oh, God, look how good the CGI is! Like, look at all these apes. It's amazing." And then, like, you know, just as the movie's twenty minutes in, I'm not even thinking about that anymore. No, they're just real to me. <laughs> like they're all running around. Occasionally, like I said to you, I wonder if those horses are CGI. Like, did you look it up? Well, we what we saw the extras, and we know we saw that they were riding on oh, real true. horses. 
So yeah. sometimes they were riding on fake horses, sometimes they were riding on real ones. So I would assume they're real. But um, so War for the Planet of the Apes, the third part of this story. Um, if you think this is going to be like, you know, it's called War. The other two are called Dawn and Rise. If you think this was just going to be a giant war movie, it isn't really. It's, it does have some elements of some of war, but it's more about the war inside of Caesar to keep. Like, does he become an? Does he go to be? You know, be, is, he is an animal, right? But it's all about really the animal the, with humanity. The game of war, unfortunately, that ultimately what the Woody Harrelson character boils it down to is: it's us or them. Right. And if we don't fight back, we will be annihilated. We will disappear. And so what would you do? Like, basically saying, you now understand the game. You would do the same. And Caesar has to decide, hmm, would I? Because he kind of goes there. You know, he gets a little bit dark. But then on the other hand, if I do that, then all is lost. And if I don't, then all is lost. Is he, you know, it's a very complex... um I think it's a complex thing. It's just a real human dilemma. And in this movie in particular, you know, it's 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 like an apocalypse now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's this general who's holed up in this colonel. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of General um, from. No, but he's a colonel. Apocalypse this now. One. This guy's a colonel. Which is is that better or worse? Uh, less than a general, as far as I know. But he's like, you know, he's like the guy from Apocalypse Now. He's yeah, it's less than a general because in MASH, Colonel Potter has to answer to the general. So there you go. That's my frame of reference. No disrespect to any military people. I'm just not in the military world. My only knowledge of it is basically through uh, fiction and the news. So this guy is holed up and he's got, you know, he's, is he, it's another thing in this movie, all gray areas. Is he a bad guy? Because he's actually... We find out his motivation as we go along. His yeah. methods are what are questionable. His methods are definitely questionable, but he is actually doing his job, which is to make sure human race but, survives. Spoilers. He's not in line with the overall thinking of the human, so you have to no. keep that in mind once you've seen it and you understand. Again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. He's a rogue. He's not representing, as we find out, humanity. Or even the military, necessarily, on the issue. And it's there's no, you know, Apocalypse Now, it, there is a lot of that influence in this movie. Even down to Ape Apocalypse Now written on a wall. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have, the one thing that bugged me about the director, even though I like him and I appreciate his point of view totally, after he talked more, but there's one little thing that niggles at me. When people, you drop references constantly... Oh, he's the he's this character from that movie, and it's like this dilemma in that movie, and it's this quagmire from that movie, and it's this from that character's life. Referencing, and he even said they sat and watched tons of old movies. Yeah, they did. Which is fine. Art is imitation of art and of life and everything else. It's just that when you drop those references, and it was pretty constant. Yeah. Like- and as I was watching it, I felt it. So it wasn't hidden very well if it was if he tried to hide it. No, it wasn't hidden. In fact, there were shots in the movie where I was like, oh, there's a Clint Eastwood Western, and there's this, and there's that. And, oh, and that beginning bit seems a bit like Predator or... Yeah. You know, it, there is a lot of, what do you call it, homage, would you say? Yeah. Copying is what I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it... 
I think... But it works. Yeah, it does work. It doesn't make you feel... It's not like spot the reference kind of movie. Like, oh... But you do notice some. and it, But he doesn't try and hide it. Like I said, they Correct. even write it on the wall. Like, it's... it's there's a, It's a lot of... You know... There's a little bit of humour in this movie, mm-hmm. which there wasn't really in the others. Maybe in the first one, slightly. I felt like it was done just right. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, that was one thing I was worried about. Me too. Um, they introduced this new character. It's called Bad Ape. And he's a bit, you know, in another movie, like the Transformers that we just watched, for instance, he would be a really dumb, stupid one-liner character. In this movie... He is exactly what he is, like because he's an ape. He's an ape from a zoo, who has been on his own for a long time. Which we haven't explored thoroughly. Have we? No, which that would I, be a good movie. I was in love with that actual concept yeah. when he when he said, "Look," and he handed to show them that he came from a zoo. He handed them a, a like a souvenir from the zoo with such and such zoo written on it. I was like, and like I said before, the virus is the is the thing here that the original Caesar something was. I can't even remember. Did he get sick? And then... Because he was giving him serums or something. And it made him so that all of a sudden he was able to... Not all of a sudden. But he... His, uh, he, oper- he thought differently. Yeah. And then, then eventually talked. Yeah. Then this other virus kicks in. It spreads all over. It starts killing all the humans. That was in the end of number one. Yeah. And that and, was um, from... What it did... Well, we didn't know how it killed him. A lab technician um, walks out of the lab and then you see... Oh, that's right. You see it. You see him shake hands with somebody, and then you see an airline pilot fly to another country. Okay. And you saw it kind and of. And that was just the one that killed everybody. But then yeah. there's that changed, and now it was reversing the thing in humans, where you can, your brain is able to make speech, and then you become sort of more primitive, like we would see the humans in the original Planet of the Apes movie, original original. Yep. Where they're just like, oh, 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 like so. That's next. I thought it was a throwback to that. Like, how could humans have stopped being able to communicate? And this kind of feeds into that. Like, well, something happened where the the voy- the communication center of the brain has been affected by this virus. And so now it's it got into some of the apes in the zoo. And, and what it did to them, it made them able to figure out how to communicate. And that's where this little fellow comes from. And he, this little bad ape is my favorite. He's my favorite new character in this whole thing. Um, at first, I was like, you know, like I said, if it was handled wrong, it would have been stupid. It would have been Transformers Absolutely. level stupid. But everything he does, some jokes. There are some actual laugh out loud parts with him, but then there are also some really serious and sad parts with him. Very so he's sad. A, yeah, he's like fully rounded off. Like he, he's not. And brave, and sprayed, and he just does, it's good. Yeah, not a goof character, actually, at all. Because nobody, you know, there isn't any laughs in these movies, really. (laughs) No. Everybody's serious. It shouldn't be. It's not a funny thing that's happening. No, and and even the way... But neither are giant robots from outer space coming to destroy the planet. No. So that's where where I always have an issue with Transformers as well, like, ugh. But even here, when this bad ape character's being funny... The reactions from the other apes is not all laughing it up. They just no. kind of look at him as though, yeah, that's what he is. Like, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a funny little guy. Like, he's... That's and he's just been alone. He's so alone. And being intelligent as he is and alone yeah. would have been very difficult. And then if you think back, like when he said, I have had a child. But then I thought maybe it was before that all 
kicked off, and he had a child, but in the zoo they maybe experimented on That's the child. That's what I was thinking, yeah. In a lab, because, you know, they tried to villainize that side of it as well in, like, the first one. So then I thought, well, that's pretty tragic. Yeah, I, I really liked that exploration of, like, you know, apes from the zoo versus these wild apes. Because the wild apes were even, like, surprised. They even said, we thought we were just it. Like, it was just us. Yeah. I wonder if there's more of you, like. And, of course, there's more of him because there's zoos all over the world, right? And the so, virus went all over the world. And, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, there's intelligent apes out there all over the world that just haven't been brought together yet. So, or they died off. I mean, mm. a lot of zoo apes would possibly die off, right? But um, there's interesting ideas, and then it gets to the Woody Harrelson part, which is it essentially, and I thought it was awesome, becomes a prison break movie. Um, <laughs> it's literally an apes escaping from prison movie, and it's done really suspensefully. And you know the part where they're all like going yep. across the. It's just and digging tunnels, and it's like the like he says though. It's like the Great Escape, and of course it is. Even the music kind of gives you a vibe of the Great Escape when they're doing it. But this movie, like if you're thinking it's, I'm sure the trailers probably like make it look like it's all out war by showing you mm, explosions. The explosions. It isn't really that. It's more. It's a bunch of different things, and amazingly. Because I always find it really difficult with like a third part of a trilogy for it to be satisfying in any way. Because you kind of understand what's going to happen usually, don't you? Yeah. And I don't feel like this was a surprise ending or anything. I'm not going to mention the ending. I don't no. think it was a surprise. I expected something like it. But I thought it was actually a really effective ending. Like it was... It was... Um. You know, this is a trilogy, and there is another Planet of the Apes movie in production already. But it's and not Caesar's story. Caesar is basically the thread that runs through all of these. He's there at the beginning. He's the ape that kind of turns the apes into a solid group of sentient beings, basically, to have everyone, all the apes follow him. And now he's the ape that just says, why can't we just all, we just leave us alone. And you do your thing, and we'll live in the forest, and that's it. He yeah, just like, wants to lead his his eight people. So just, he's the thing that's brought us all in. But the whole of the world is affected by this, if we're taking this reality, the fictional reality. And so I would love to see the zoo side of it, you know, any other aspects of it I'd be interested. So, yeah, this is like the Caesar trilogy, and this new movie is going to be something else. But... What I found at the end of this movie, and it's weird because a lot of the time when you get to the third movie, like Lord of the Rings, I've kind of had my fill of of it. And I'm like, okay, Lord of the Rings, you were good. Now go I'm away. Like, I don't need to <laughs> yeah. see you again. Can we move on to a new thing? But I felt at the end of this movie, even though it could end right here and they never make another one, and that's fine too, that... I want to see more of this world. This world is really interesting, and these apes are so well done, and, you know, the character development and everything is so good. There's a lot more to do here, like, there's more stories to tell, you know, perhaps not with Caesar, but yeah, with another generation of apes. So I think it was satisfying, and it it didn't set a sequel up, I don't think. It wasn't, like... You know, when we just watched Transformers, here we go, keep going back to Transformers, that end scene with that lady walking along the sand dune, that is setting up a sequel, right? That is, they 
quintessential scene to say, hey, there's another one of these. Yeah. And it's coming. This ending is an ending of its own. And it might never be a sequel. We know that there's going to be one, but it doesn't need to be. It really rounds off this trilogy perfectly. Kind of like Star Wars. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, the quality of this CG, uh, <laughs> if you can hear a doggy, it's <laughs> a not doggy. our That isn't our doggy. That's She's not really a doggy. She's a big, humongous dog who lives next door. Her name is Tina, and she barks like a freaking bulldozer. Yeah, she's seriously, got the... but she doesn't seem to be harmful harmful at all. She's oh. just really loud, <laughs> and she freaks out at things. She is pretty loud, and you can probably hear it on this podcast. <laughs> and I don't know if I could cut her out. To be honest, she's it's got too random. That. So yeah, she's pretty wild. <laughs> so. um... The CG here, there is nothing, I don't think, to match it. I mean, the Transformers are pretty good, right? But these yes. are these are like... The Transformers are robots that move. These are apes that we've seen real apes move. And these are convincing apes to me. They don't look funky. They're really convincing. Yeah. Close-up shots. Uh, what Andy Serkis does with the face of Caesar is unbelievable. You can always tell what he's thinking, right? Like... Oh, yeah. The faces are it. I mean... Like, you you, you can always... I think it's something that Andy Serkis does the best, though. You can always tell what Caesar is thinking, just moment to moment. Even if he's not saying anything. You know if he's in pain. You know if... It's not just Andy Serkis, though. I mean, let's be fair. The artists who do all the graphic have to move every single fold of the brow and every little wrinkle under the eye. You know, I mean, they, it's not just his eyes, but they start with his eyes and then go from yeah. there. Like he said, uh, it's a very good explanation of how it is done these days. It's all motion capture. They act it all out. And then the animators make digital masks that go over the top of it. And that is a very good way of explaining it. Because the performance is still there. It's not like Toy Story where there is actually no human beings right. involved. It's, it's just all animation. This is the animation. Andy Serkis is in the movie, like his body shape and him moving. It's just he has a really amazing looking skin stuck over the top of him like a video game character, but better. Can't wait till video games look as good as this. <laughs> there's actually going to be a um, there's a Planet of the Apes game coming um, this year, next year, early next year. Andy Serkis has done all the motion capture and voice and all that stuff. And it's based on these movies. It's not... It's mm. a side story to these movies. And it's in, like, the Telltale style. I saw a clip from it the other day. I was like, wow. If Andy Serkis is doing all the motion capture, it's going to be amazing, right? It's, I mean, it's going to look good. So, um, yeah, look forward to that. So, did you uh, did you like this one better than the other two? Or do you see it as Not one better. I, I see it as all one thing. Yeah, I do too. And it's excellent to... It'd be good to actually watch it all in a row. But they showed you one clip, and I've not seen the first one since it came out, but they showed you a clip of Caesar as a young young ape in the laboratory with James Franco, and I looked at it and I was like, is that the finished footage? Because that doesn't actually look very good. Do you think it's aged that? or? I don't know for sure, but I know what you're saying. I hope it holds up. Like, I hope it doesn't... Because <laughs> the technology... Are you just blinded by liking it? You know, for yeah. now, and then later you'll watch it again and be like, ooh. Because the technology has come a long way in, what, how many years are in between these films? Like, the, the mm -hmm. first one, maybe 
seven years. Um, in seven years, computer technology always moves fast. So, so let's move on to the cast here. And I said to you, it's like I haven't put down a lot of people because most of this movie is from the ape's perspective. It's not a human story. It's more the ape story than the human story this time. The second movie was focused more on those that bunch of humans who I said to you, couldn't care less about Gary Oldman's bunch of humans, just kill them all and then move on. And I said to you, I hope the next movie is more about the apes and less about the humans. I actually got my wish because this movie is really about the apes. And, you know, I would say 70% of the movie is the apes. Oh, absolutely. And the, the humans are... Most of the humans are disposable soldiers. And there are a couple of lead actors who are mostly Woody Harrelson. So it's not a movie full of humans. It's mostly the ape story, which I really liked. I think that was the way to go with this. So Andy Serkis plays Caesar. What did you think of him? If you're watching a CGI character, and if you know that there's a person, you know, filling him in, you feel... not. I didn't feel like there's a person in there. I felt like it was an ape who was troubled and... Me not identifying with being an ape, but all the... I don't know how to describe it except that he locks me in. But they all do, though. I don't know that it's necessarily just him, because anybody who does those those roles, I feel like I'm convinced about all of them, so... Yeah, Andy Serkis is like the pioneer of motion acting. I mean, he was just basically put in that position in Lord of the Rings to begin with, and then it sort of, because that got so much attention... Yeah. He became went from famous there. for it. Yeah. yeah. And he actually owns a, owns part of Weta now, and, you know, he's... There's a lot of motion capture in other films that happens to be Andy Serkis, too. You know, he's in, he's in all kinds of stuff. You know that Kong that we just watched, the Skull mm-hmm. Island? Mm-hmm. There's, there's Andy Serkis stuff in that, too. Um, so, you know, he is good at doing that, it's weird to watch them, you know, when you see the extras and it's just like when you watch the extras for this and you see the performances, it's actors with like all those dots all over their faces and like crutches for to make them have long arms. Yeah. Because apes have longer arms. So they have, they're just holding on to like a small crutch. So they, uh, you know, and then they're acting with the cameras on the face and stuff like Avatar, I guess. But yeah, I liked Andy Circus. The thing I, thing about Andy Serkis is doing Caesar. He completely gets it. And he's like facial... He acts with his face, mainly. I mean, he's not thinking of it in any way other than any other actor being a character. No, he's but he has to be more expressive character. with his eyes and his... I don't know that he does. I think he just does his thing. And we, it gets captured. You know? Hmm. But um, I think he's just in it as if he's performing a character, and all the technology, like they said, is just—it's just a layer on top. It doesn't really, you know. Once you're in the gear, then you—if ha- you were shitty, it wouldn't wouldn't be as good. But he just takes it on as a role, as a as a performer, which I—that's yeah. what I like about him. Yeah, and uh, you know, the Caesar character, just with the wetter people doing the CG on it. There isn't a moment where he's not Caesar to me, and I'm like, oh, God, mm-hmm. that's wonky. There's never a moment of it. It's not like Spider-Man, where you watch it and you're like, oh, that's cool, there's Spider-Man. Oh, well, there's Rubberman. There's none of that. It's no. just there's Ape and there's Caesar, and, you know, he's 
going to do his but stuff. But it can suffer from the thing where when you like it a lot, you know, yeah, it's very possible. I was really scrutinizing this one. And uh, it's, I don't know, it seems, it almost seems like, you know, when you're, they're, they're like at the real cutting edge of, it's got to be, what, another few years and we can do humans properly? Don't you think? We've got to get there, right? Mm. I mean, I we, can, we can do apes and animals perfectly now. We've seen digital horses. We've seen digital apes. We've seen digital animals in like the light, in the um, Jungle Book. And they're all very convincing now, aren't they? So humans is the main thing that we have to break. And then you don't have to have to pay any actors anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't sound great. Hollywood, you need to invest all your money in that. And then it will save you money in the long run. You can just make all these actors unemployed. That's your idea. I don't from... think that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Woody Harrelson is the colonel. What do you think? It was good. I'm, I'm, you know, I like Woody Harrelson. Sometimes he's ugh, really boring and not really that on with the character. But this time I felt like he was like, yeah, I get this guy. <laughs> he's got a mission, but his methods are flawed, yeah. to say the least. And he was really into it, which I like. I mean, he's it's very comic book character. Absolutely. Shaving um, his head in front of the group and yeah. having him chant and having him do like a priest thing to them and then him listening I said he turned on the music I'm like oh there's the crazy Vietnam war general gone crazy music because it's so pat but then after hearing the director I'm like that's why he did that yeah, because exactly. it fits together and it and it's it's kind of a bit over the top um but it works for this movie cuz you know it's a weird situation Steve Zahn plays the bad ape you'll know Steve Zahn he's a comedian guy it's in a lot of uh, funny films. <laughs> He's in funny films. Funny films, uh, yes. Um, Bad Ape. and uh, my f- He was an awesome character. I didn't know who it was, did you, while he was performing? Like the ape? No, I, I did had not. no idea who it was. No. But um, it was very funny. And like I say, it's very emotional too. My favourite part of Bad Ape is where his head was popping up through the hole. Yeah. And he was just his little head. <laughs> And the other apes are just looking, and they're going, "That's that ape we've told you about." Yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's just a little, little tiny ape head because he's a little thin guy, and he like a little slight yeah. zoo ape. He's not like a. He's just like been a beast. surviving. Yeah, uh, and then finally, um, I put down Amaya Miller as Nova, and she she's the main human character, who kind of the apes discover her, and she becomes part of the apes uh, clan. Would you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're almost like her family, I would say, are her family, because she hasn't got anything. And she's a, uh, you know, she's just with them throughout. She it. doesn't she's, speak. She so. doesn't speak, yeah. And now she reminded me of Newt of Alien. Mm-hmm. So I think that was another, um, you know, thing. Well, it is a thing that movies do, though, isn't it? You find a child. Sure. And then a child is, there's a big high stakes thing to having a child, like, especially if it's in danger. So, but, uh, she was good. And there's <laughs> that, that moment where she, where, um, Caesar's in the cage and she comes to give him the, the wheat. That was really, like, powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, a real powerful moment there. Um, so this is directed by Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves also directed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Cloverfield, the original one. And his next movie is the Batman, which uh, Ben Affleck was going to direct. 
but now Matt Reeves is doing it, but Ben Affleck is the Batman, and it's called The Batman. So, um, yeah, this guy is getting the big movies. I'm sure he'll be back for... I feel like he'll be back for Planet of the Apes after The Batman, another one. Mm. So uh, what do you think of Matt Reeves? Do you think he's good? Yeah. I think it's... It takes a person who totally believes in the whole thing, hardcore, to make such a big thing work. Yeah. And come off better than... And with a certain taste level and, like, you know, you go to Transformers and go, ugh, what the fuck? He can do this big, humongous action thing with this big, huge consequences in that fictional world, and yet you just cringe half the time. He has no taste, like, no standard of yeah, there's, taste. there's something a bit teenage boy about yeah. Transformers. Whereas this seems to take on the weight of what story they're telling. And I'm not saying everything has to be serious and dramatic, because I like comedies and stuff, too. But in this one, I don't know. It just felt like he took it all. He takes it all. Filmmaking seriously, storytelling, characters, everything. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that. it's shot really well. as well. They, All three of them were, to be honest. It's it's shot really well. It feels really super epic. Like there's an action scene at the end of this movie that is one of the, it's just epic, right? It's big wide shot. There's, there's explosions. There's some snow. That oh, yeah. stuff, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. just incredible to look at. And I said to you, the uh, moral to this tale is mm-hmm. learn to climb trees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you'll see what I mean. It's a good plan. Yeah. And cardio. Yeah, cardio. <laughs> And climb we learned trees. that from Zombieland. Yeah. And, and uh, climb trees from apes. this one. Yes. The movies are very educational. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I like the direction here. I thought it, it's, I like his serious tone with it. And, like, that bad ape character, if that was Michael Bay, that would have ruined the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But in this, they just restrained it. They really restrained it. And they went, maybe we'll have two or three laughs in this thing. And it'll be with that character. But we won't go overboard. It won't be every two minutes he's saying something stupid. So I really admired that. And he's not the butt of any joke, which is what makes it, I think, better. Yeah, true. He's he's just got a sense of humor. That's the the whole thing. Is he's he has sad a bit of a sense funny. of humor? Yeah. <laughs> so Blu-ray extras. There's uh, deleted scenes. There's a feature at waging war for the planet of the apes, which we watched, um, and. It's pretty good. You see a lot of on this. You get to realize when you're watching these extras how much green and blue screen there is in this movie. Oh, yeah. They've got a giant set, an actual giant, the prison set, let's call it, the military base with the prison in it. They actually built that full size, but then when you see them working around it, there's blue and green screen everywhere. So it's one of those movies where... Actors really have to use their imagination, I think. <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of nothing to act to. Um, there's a thing about Weta pushing boundaries. It shows you how the, uh, you know, how they... It doesn't... It never... Sh- I always want to see in that extra, the you know, the one that's about CGI, like how they really do it, but they never really show you what they do, do they? No. They show you, here's how we do the motion capture, and then they, they go, and then our wizards do this, this, and this, <laughs> yeah. and then it looks like this. They don't show you, I think, because it's proprietary. Isn't right. It? I'm always like, can we see the wizards do some stuff? Because I, that's what I'm really interested in. I wizards as in geeky nerds who sit at the computer all day. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. 
Um, there's music Which of the apes. Which we will appreciate highly. There's uh, apes, the meaning of it all. There's the apes saga, an homage. There's concept art. There's an audio commentary with Matt Reeves. Uh, and that is it. It's full of stuff. Over three hours uh, of extras. The sticker on the front of this case says. Um, good. Good stuff too. It's like um, the only complaint I have about the extras and the documentary is whoever mic'd um, Andy Serkis up, I think they just used a cell phone. Everybody had a nice sounding mic and Andy Serkis sounded like he was coming out of an old radio. You mean in the extras? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Do you, did you not notice? He was like... It was like really tinny, and and they were playing music, and you could you couldn't hear him sometimes because the music was really loud. So, uh, I did not notice that. Whoever makes Blu-ray extras, do it better, because that wasn't very good. <laughs> so, um, that's the end of the the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Are you sad? Uh, no, I'm I'm fine with that. Are you satisfied? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm satisfied. And if they make more, that's great. And if they don't, that is also great. That yeah, is fine. They will make more. It's actually already in pre-production, so we will see more Planet of the Apes at some point. I uh, highly recommend this whole trilogy. It's one of my favorite sci-fi things. Definitely got me as a kid. This would be where I most likely fell in love and lust. With the idea of science fiction. Yeah. Was watching Planet of the Apes on late night TV, late night movies. Um, I'd never watched the TV shows or anything, but the movies would be on like at midnight on a Saturday night or something. And between this and I don't know what else I would have watched, really. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, the original TV show. And yeah. I was just hooked, 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 hooked. But so, I, I attribute Planet of the Apes as one because it didn't feel science fiction-y. Until the, you know, in the beginning you get, they're going out in space, or the original movie, I mean. And then it all twists around and then you're like, you there is blew a nice it up, you blew it up. And you're like, oh, your mind is twisted. Like, <laughs> at least mine was as a kid. It's one of those, um, like, you know, the M. Night Shyamalan films. Like I said, the mm-hmm. ones where you ones where you are literally mind blown. You're like, oh, holy, holy shit, I didn't see that. That movie, Planet of the Apes, when I first saw it, I didn't see that. I didn't even think that. I don't remember the first time I ever watched it, but I remember it always blowing my mind. I remember going, whoa. Think, like, everything's changed now, like, because, like, I might look at movies differently. You know, like, because <laughs> I might think harder about it, or maybe it ruined movies for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was, it's an amazing film. So, um, thank you to Fox for sending us a Blu-ray, and we both highly recommend it. It's out this Tuesday... Um, go and get it. It's awesome. So, uh, thank you to Fox. Contest, go and win something. Go to ascoli.com. You can win a, uh, copy of the five movie collection of Phantasm, which Sid Talk over here is watching at the moment. Mm. Um, she is up to Phantasm number four, I believe. Correct. Uh, what do you, uh, how do you feel about these Phantasms? Okay. You obviously have very fond. This goes back to what I was just saying about. My impressions of science fiction as a child watching Planet of the Apes. Now, if you were to show the original Planet of the Apes movie to, say, a 50-year-old today who doesn't give a shit about science fiction, they might roll their eyes and be like, that's a bunch of bullshit. Like, it's not even what's so great about it, right? Like, that's kind of how I would... I don't know that, but I'm just saying. Because now I'm watching Phantasm, watch the first one, and you were like, oh, great, exciting. Oh, and this is so (laughs) intense. You named a couple of items, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay. And I love 
You know, I'm a horror person. I like the horror stuff in general. Kind of blanketed. And I watched the first one, and you're like, oh, it was great. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I want to like it so bad. But it's just really dumb and not great. And then I watched the second one. It didn't get better, but I'm getting more information. Like, I, I like to be told a story, if possible. Yeah. Right? And I get it. There's something going on. But it was just dragging it out. And it actually bores me a little bit. So by the third one, I'm trying to really get into it. I'm getting into the, you know, into the, like the, the sort of rhythm. It's got a formula exactly the same every single time. And we've brought back the original kid as a man now. And I'm getting, it's filling in the gaps, like who he really is and where this, what is all really going on. And it's getting more. Well, <laughs> I don't want to be rude. It's just like, I would not, I don't think if I'd watched it when I was 13, let, maybe what? I would have been like, whoa. But now I look at it with different eyes. But then I only watched Chucky movies starting like last year and I like them. I don't love them. They're not great. But I, there's something about these that just does not do anything for me at all. And I'm trying. I'm trying really well, hard. Well, look at him from my point of view. <clears throat> I was probably 13 years old. VHS rentals were mm-hmm. all, all the rage. Oh, I totally see why you would love it. A VHS uh, shop opened uh, around the corner from us and uh, I. You know, one of the first one of the first VHSs I got from there was The Exorcist, and I watched The Exorcist, and it was one of the first horror movies I've seen. That's why that movie has such a big impression on me. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to go back trying to seek like an experience like The Exorcist. Oh, that was so awesome! Yep. So I kind of went through their catalogue of horror movies over the course of a year or whatever. I get what you're saying. And Phantasm was one of them that stuck out in my mind that it was kind of creative and the ball, the metal ball always stuck in my mind. And like I said to you, I was a teenage boy, so the boobs at the beginning stuck yeah, in my mind. Yeah, the, the sexual thing is a bit irritating now. We're in the 21st century and the the weirdness of the main character being really pervy is, it's not, you know, the, so, it's not directed at me. Let's just put it that way. So I saw Phantasm at the time. I saw like movies like uh, Reanimator and Evil Dead, and you know, yep. like a. So they all kind of stick in my mind, and Phantasm still sticks in my mind. I, I still remember it. So, uh, it but I did suggest watch it again. I don't know if it'll be the same. I was going to say it doesn't mean it's good <laughs> because I liked it when I was thirteen, and you know, it stuck with me. It's not bad, as in like bad. It's just of the B of the B level. Ca- it doesn't capture my imagination. I don't care about anybody. I don't care about the thing that's happening. I'm not intrigued by it because it isn't even that menacing for some reason. Even though every town in the whole country is being gobbled up by this the tall man and his plan to do whatever he's doing, which I still don't know. So you know, I'm I'm hanging in there. I watch the other. You've ones only got there. two to go. I'll watch number four tonight. So, uh, yeah, that's Phantasm. Go and win a copy. You can win all yeah, five. I made it sound great. You can win all five movies on DVD. Go to aschoolie.com and try and win them. Movie recommendations for this week. I am going with the original Planet of the Apes from 1968. Um, I recommend all Planet of the Apes stuff. I recommend the animated series. I recommend yeah. the TV show even. It's, it's all good. The TV show was very much like the movies. 
Um, it was all the same actors, pretty much. It was just like a, a weekly movie. So I, I recommend all of Planet of the Apes Somebody stuff. out there might watch Planet of the Apes and say, uh, the Planet of the Apes is as dumb as Phantasm. <laughs> well. I mean, they would be wrong, but they could see it. <laughs> and my uh, other recommendation is Cloverfield, which was Matt Reeves' other movie that he made. Now, that is a movie very much of its time. And I do believe the sequel, 10 Cloverfield Lane, is a better movie. But as what Cloverfield is, a found footage when there wasn't many of those movies, it was like unique uh, monster movie, big giant monster movie like Godzilla. Uh, I think it's good in that, in that and you should mm-hmm. perhaps revisit it, especially if you've seen 10 Cloverfield Lane recently and didn't realize that there was a movie before it, which is Cloverfield. So what are your uh, recommendations? Well, we just talked about them. I'm going to say Phantasm and Phantasm 3. You but don't, don't like... skip number two. I'm just saying, of the three I've seen so far, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I had less of a struggle hanging in there for one and three. See, two was I always thought one was my favorite, and then two. But mm. Mm. I'm just saying, watch him again, honey, and you'll see if you. But then sometimes rewatching a thing. Yeah, it ruins. It, it's not it the can. same anyway, is it? Yeah, so don't. The only movies that but they're really... not horrible or anything. It's just me, and I'm a 49 year old woman, and the guy being pervy and still being the hero is really irritating to me. And you know, there are some movies that I watched back in the day that still hold up for me now, and that one of them is The Exorcist. Every single time it holds up, I think it is like, I think that is the masterpiece of horror for me. That one, of course. Um, it it grosses me out. It creeps me out. It's just, I don't know, there's something ugh, about it. It makes me go, huh. Um, and still does. Yeah. And uh, original Evil Dead also is highly rewatchable. And yes, it's made on a shoestring budget, but it is, a, I think it's what makes a, a good horror. It's like a cool horror film. Like it's, it's very contained and the deadites and everything are just kind of creepy and gross, you know? It's full of blood and guts. And uh, what's the other one that I was thinking earlier that was... Oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's so effective. And it's a lot of what you don't see in that movie, I think, that is terrifying. I mean, you don't... Definitely. It's not... It is gory, but it's not super gory. But there's a lot of like, oh my God, what's going on behind that door? It's gross. But I think those, those three movies are still effective to this day. But you're right. If I watched Phantasm, it probably f- seems kind of lame now. Oh, Reanimator. I would also add to that list. I Re- liked Reanimator. See, I can watch that one. Yeah, and I really was like, good. oh, God. It's I just mean, so freaky. Reanimator's <laughs> got that weird sexual thing about it, too, though. Like, of those days. Like, not titillating. Not like this, though. Yeah, yeah, titillating, yes. But not where the main guy is acceptably gross. Right. And I would have thought he was gross no matter what. So I don't even remember him being gross. I just remember that Phantasm did have nudity, which I hadn't really seen any. Mm. If you get one, you yeah. Know, I, I, I was also, used to watching did it teach television. You that as a boy, that if you haven't fucked something for a while, that you just sort of deserve for somebody to fuck you, because that is the attitude. That's what irritates. Yeah, that's me. that seventies. It's not 80s. the seventies. It's like forever and still to this day, probably. But me, I've never been a fan of it. I'll probably was well, this movie produced by Harvey Weinstein? Oh my God, Hayes! Don't <laughs> too go soon, there. Too soon. <laughs> don't go there. <gasps> that's a terrible thing to say. But no, it was not. 
Uh, it could have been. You never know. So, uh, games and ace scully stuff. I am going with this Tuesday upcoming is Destiny 2 is being released on the PC. Um, Destiny. How much Destiny did I play when it first came out? A lot. A lot. Hundred. I Actually, I know because I looked it up this week. I played 150 hours of the original Destiny. So I'm hoping Destiny 2 uh, lives up to the uh, what the first one was. Uh, but what I've been playing this week is South Park, The Fractured But Whole, mm. which is the new South Park game. Now, I'm, it's funny because I'm not a fan of... I, mean, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of South Park. I just don't watch it. I do find it funny when I see clips from it, as you will know, because the Human Centipede clip is one of my funniest... Mm-hmm. One of the funniest things I've seen. It just makes me laugh every time. They made fun of the movie The Human Centipede in one of the episodes, and it just makes me laugh every time I see it. So I probably would like South Park if I watched it. But this South Park game by Ubisoft is actually made by Matt and Trey and their whole studio, South Park Studios. So what it really is is a 15-hour episode of South Park, when you say, like with a game in, with a game attached to it. You've watched me playing it a bit mm-hmm. this week. Um, it it looks like the show exactly like the show. The animation, the it you know it encapsulates the show, but it's animated. So when you walk your character around, at the beginning you get to build your own character so you can make it look like you. So it's funny to have a character that kind of looks like you in South Park. I I do do like that. But this game is uh you're all superheroes in it. It's like the South Park crew. I've taken to being superheroes and they're trying to fight off the evil, which the evil so far is Catholic priests. Mm. <laughs> um, things that are uh, a danger to boys, let's say. There are other kids, like, um, what what do they call them? Fifth grade kids? Sixth graders. Sixth graders. Sixth you, grade. you were like, I don't even know what that is. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, sixth graders are the ultimate enemy Like for these South Park kids. Whenever they see them, they're like, <laughs> sixth graders and... You know, the fighting is like, um, it's like the old Final Fantasy turn-based thing where you pick things from menus. So, and you move in little grids and squares. So it's got that old school RPG feel. You level up and you find different outfits. And you know, the bit that I've just found, I went into the, uh, Mexican burrito shop and the guy who owns it is Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman's telling me how to make the ultimate taco and, it's just crazy. I've got like, I can, in Final Fantasy, how you summon spirits from the sky to help you. Well, I've actually got my first summon and my first summon I got from the Catholic priest and it's Moses. So <laughs> Moses comes down and helps you. So, you know, it's crazy. It's South Park. Uh, if you get offended easily, you'll definitely get offended by it. There is racist jokes. I mean, they're not being racist. They're pointing out racism, right? It's, it's different. I mean, that's, they can say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very topical. Uh, I'm sure Donald Trump will probably be in it at some point. You know what they're like. Yeah. So, uh, if you like South Park, you probably already bought this game. But it's out now. South Park, the fractured, but whole. (laughs) (laughs) Trying not to say it like it's supposed to be said. So, uh, that's what I'm playing this week. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Tonight we are having Jimmy John's. Because I'm going to drive through without my shoes on. That's it. That's the bottom line. You gonna, is that acceptable? 
going through the drive-through on foot with no shoes. <laughs> no, it's a little far. So that's kind of defeats the purpose of me actually to work as little as possible to make supper. Uh, I would have to walk all the way over there, which is two miles. Don't really want to walk. So no, just uh, Jimmy Jones. All right, and uh, what's your advice before we leave? Focus. <laughs> that is it. You know, I found that I'm not good at focusing. I didn't think I was good at focusing. Let me let me back up. I didn't think I was good at focusing. But then again, I think about my whole life, my personality. And when I want to do a thing, I can be so completely um, focused. Um, it's not obsession because that is overused. And I'm not OCD and I'm not ADD. None of that shit. Sorry if you are and you take that offensively. But I'm not any of that. But I will get on a thing. And then it is the thing I have to do until I'm done. And I, if I can focus on doing it, it always comes out, you know, well and better than I expected or whatever. When I don't pick a thing, if I'm just jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing, nothing gets done well and nothing gets done. Uh, I'm a flibberty gibbet, you know, I'm good at procrastinating. You're what? What was that again? Flibberty gibbet. I can go from thing to thing to thing. And if I don't focus on the one thing, and get distracted and distracted and distracted, then the one thing never gets done well and may never get finished. So now I've learned, focus. Focus on a thing, focus on a theme. If you say this month, the theme is going to be sorting my pictures on my computer. Now that sounds like low on the priority list, but you and I both know how many pictures I have on my computer. So with every day that I have time to sit at my computer for any amount of time, I just open the folder and as I'm doing all my other stuff, focus on that as my little side task it will get done and it will be very satisfying you know i've been focusing on our birthday my birthday party that's coming up in november thank you i'll be 50 and decided from now from the time we decide to have it until then that is the that is the side project i will focus i've already done the centerpieces i've already done the little game i've already done the seed packets to give away i'm learning relearning how to make floral flower things for the cakes i'm gonna relearn how to make my grandma used to bake or uh, wedding cakes and stuff, and she taught us, but I was a kid, so I'm relearning that. Um, I've got the venue. I've done all the stuff, so I'm fo- that's my little, you know, everything else is over here in this column on a daily basis, and then that, and that is it. And so everything focuses on that. And then the next project will be making the pillows. My father passed away earlier this year, and for Christmas, everyone will get a pillow made, like a memory pillow, they call them, made out of pieces of his clothing. He was an overall-wearing kind of a guy, so that's a bonus. Um, that will be the next big project, and I'll focus on it, and it will be done well. And I just think, if you have a hard time with everything else seeming out of control in your life, pick one thing that every single day you spend a little bit of time doing, and at some point it will be completed, and you'll be glad that you did. So focus. All right. And... uh Next week's Blu-ray review, by the way, I didn't mention earlier, uh, because it's Halloween weekend, will be Annabelle Creation, which is the latest in the uh, Annabelle series. Has there been two? Yes. The second yeah. one. The second Annabelle movie, which is a offshoot of The Conjuring. Thank you. <laughs> so, so great. Uh, so, um, uh, I want to remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com and sidtart.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, 
Or just go to ascully.com and click on the word podcast. You can subscribe or listen on the page. Also, you can ask if you've got an Amazon Echo. You can say, Alexa, she's probably going to do it, isn't she? <laughs> she might hear me. Alexa, listen to After the Show Movie Podcast on TuneIn. And you will uh, get the latest episode delivered through your Amazon Echo. You can e- email feedback to me at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She really... She really doesn't give a shit about you. Well, I can't focus on the one thing. <laughs> it's just too much. It's too much. It's too much. And uh, stay classy, Planet of the Apes. It makes me want to watch old Planet of the Apes, yeah, all of it. definitely. And, and I'm going to say this. <laughs> and since I was decided not to sign up. I wasn't focused. <laughs> I'm listening to you, and I'm like, okay. Uh, and I'm going to say, <laughs> focus and... Think for yourself, or someone will do it for you. And pay attention next time. (laughs)